0: Good morning to you all. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open it to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. That's where we'll be for the bulk of our uh, message this morning. Um, uh, as Dave has already mentioned, we're starting a new series this morning, and it it really is broken up into into three segments. The Bride of Christ is sort of the big uh, the big picture of it. But for the next nine weeks, we're going to be talking about. Um, Beauty and the Beast, um, and uh, please forgive us if, if we've broken copyright laws, um, uh, but one of the things that, that I want to kind of point out at the, at the beginning of, the, uh, of this series is, uh, like, I'm, I'm going to be talking about church in three different aspects uh, in this series. First is the, the first one is the biggest one, church meaning like a biblical definition of church is all believers for all time. So from Noah to us and everybody in between. Um, from Abraham and every, all the, that's the church. But then uh, m- more than that, I'll be talking about like the contemporary church, the modern church, like the, the 2017 church. And we'll be spending a lot of time thinking about that. And then the third category is just us specifically as a church, as North Church. Um, and we'll spend most of our time talking about those, those last two. Um, so this, this first segment called Beauty or Beast is that um, we're going to talk for the next nine weeks about uh, an aspect of the church in each one of those three categories um, that is beautiful, but also beastly. Um, and it's, it's present... Throughout all of all of the history of the church, uh, the, the church can be beautiful, but it can also be very beastly um, and the The fact is the, the likelihood is that there are people everybody that 's here um, has seen the beauty that the church is capable of, but also the the beastly nature that the church is also capable capable of the likelihood is that you have been hurt, you have been damaged, you have been wounded by the church or somebody within the church. Um, and uh, there's even a good chance if you've been around here long enough that you've been uh, angered, wounded, hurt by somebody here, perhaps even me. Um, and But the, the fact is, is that the church is made up of people and people are sinful and people can do evil, but the church is also made up of, of followers of Christ who are who have made, been made righteous and been made beautiful and been made holy by the perfect work of Jesus Christ. So the church is a product of the people that are here. And those things can be beautiful or they can be beastly. Um, this morning, I'm really excited. I, I, I can tell you that I'm, I'm not looking forward to a few of the, the sermons in the series where we're going to be talking about where the church is beastly. Um, but this morning, it's all about beauty. And it's all about the beautiful nature of our message. And at, at the foundation of who we are and why we exist is this sermon this morning. Um, it is the, the gospel. It is the message of Christ. Um, so let me read the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. And then we'll, uh, we'll pray and, and dig into what uh, I think God wants to say to us this morning. First Corinthians fifteen one through four. Now I w- would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received: that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you have persevered it from generation to generation so that it might speak to us and the power that is within these words, Father, might be um, exploded in us, Father. I pray now as we seek to study these words and understand what it is that you're speaking to us, understand what it is that, that Paul wrote, Father, that you would penetrate the gospel to the deepest recesses of our of our spirit of our soul of our being, God, and that it might change us, Father. And then would you allow that to be practical in changing us, Father? Um, Lord, well, I pray you would free us from distraction that we might center in on on who you are and your truth and your purposes for our lives. Thank you for Jesus in His name, Amen. Uh, so these first couple of verses, I want to spend. Uh, most of our time kind of digging them apart. Uh, The first one, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. What is the gospel? You hear me say that. You hear Dave say that. You hear your community group leaders talking about the gospel. You hear me all the time talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? And the gospel, from a Greek word perspective, the word that's translated there as as gospel is euangelion, Evangelion, and it's the word that we get for evangelism. And, and this is something that's, that's really cool. And, and I, I want us to, to, to think deeply here. Um, the word means a proclamation of good news. It's like a birth announcement, like the proclamation of a newly married couple. Um, I got a chance not long ago to, to perform the wedding for an old friend of mine. I talked about it last week. And at the end of it, uh, at the end of, of, of every marriage ceremony, you guys know what happens? like... They say, let me be the first to introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. whoever. All right? The gospel, in this respect, is exactly like that. It's an announcement of a fact. And that idea is knee-buckling to me. It is a statement of fact so many times. Nearly every time, my mind—and, and like, the heartbeat of my life is to proclaim the gospel. Like, that's what—that's what, that's all that I really want from my life. That's all that I really want from my being, from my relationships. I want to proclaim the gospel to myself, and I want to proclaim the gospel to those around me. And, and I don't understand the simplicity of the fact that it's just an announcement— Somehow, some way, I want to participate. I want to engage. I want to be a part. I want to have my fingerprints on it. But it's simply an announcement. Um, in a book called Gospel Wakefulness, by the way, I highly recommend it. Uh, check it out. I'm about halfway through it. It's incredible. Um, written by Jared C. Wilson. He says this. It is talking about the gospel. It is not advice. Not suggestion, not instruction, nor is it vague spirituality. Skills to implement or precepts to practice. It is information. It is an announcement. It is news. Think about the implication of that. It's it's resting. It's just... Resting in a fact. But what more here for us to glory and and revel in? Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. This simple news that I told you, which you received, in which you now stand. in which you stand—it's—it's it's a firmly planted position, a place. This is your identity. This is where you live. This is a place from which you move. When we think about this idea, this word picture that Paul is writing—to stand in the fact of the proclamation of the gospel—like I, I feel like we could we could just spend hours considering that idea that we're standing firmly planted, rooted, established, founded. In a fact, having nothing to do with us. Um, You guys know, some of you know, that we're building a deck in my backyard, and it's been um, really, 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 um, not nearly enough reallys yet, uh, frustrating for us because we're getting problems from the city about uh, permits and whatever. And one of the things last week we found out is we don't have enough footings on our deck because um, it's, it's, it's really big and we need 17 footings that go 30 inches deep and it's been a big mess. And I've been thinking about, like, I was having... So I don't know the first thing about building a deck other than the fact that it involves, like, building materials um, and screws and stuff. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry to offend the, the construction guys that are in the... In the congregation today, um, we each have our own gifts to bring to the to the world. Um, so, uh, I've been having these conversations with my contractor and then with the inspector, and trying to like connect with them. And now they're like at odds with each other, so I got to play this this devil's advocate to like keep them from strangling each other and, and whatnot. But like, I'm trying to understand what's happening, and I'm listening to this. The inspector who's a former architect talk about the need for all these footings because your deck's going to fall apart it's not going to be able to support the weight of the structure and and if you want to like stand on the deck at some point you're going to want these footings okay i'd like to stand on the deck at some point so yes give me more footings but but the picture is like think of a deck that just completely collapses with people on it, and and the like, the hardship that that would be like one, we wouldn't have a deck, but two people would be like injured and hurt, and then you're you're thinking about my fault, and like it just everything just collapses, literally and figuratively. And I, I want you to to see that picture of of where the the footings, the foundation upon which you stand, is in the gospel. And we just said that the gospel is, is all it is is news. It's, it's nothing to do with you and everything to do with something that happened thousands of years ago. And that sets my heart free. One, to know that I don't have to participate, and two, to know that it's like I stand firmly planted there. Um, Ephesians. 3.17 says that we're rooted and grounded in this love, in this gospel. In Romans 5.1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access into faith in this grace in which we now stand. All throughout scripture, it talks about words like, like foundations and rooted and standing and all of those ideas to firmly place you in the grace And mercy of the gospel. Verse 2 says, And by which you are being saved. So these ideas, this notion seems a little bit contradictory to one another. That we're standing, and I spent a lot of time talking about the firmness of our foundation And now he's saying we're being saved. Which is it? Are we saved or are we being saved? This language is talking about a process called sanctification, which is making you more Christ-like. All right. Romans also tells us that the gospel is the power of God. So this news is power. Like Supernatural power, the gospel, the news, the proclamation of something that happened two thousand years ago, is the power of God. Um, let's, let's let me ask a non-rhetorical question here. Um, so be prepared to answer. Uh, what? Forget about where we are talking about the gospel and the gospel being the power of God. Think about evidences of the power of God in the history of this world. Name some. Creation. Bingo. God spoke and the world was. That's powerful, right? Have you ever spoken something into creation? No, we don't have that power. We don't have that authority. What else? What? The flood. The flood? Yes. Yeah. That is like a very practical, very tangible, wow, power of God. Um, What else? Louder. Jericho. Jericho? Yeah, the walls falling down, people walking around, and the walls fall. That's like, think about that concept. Like people just walking around in a circle caused, no, that's not what happened. God caused the walls to fall down. There's one really important one that you're missing. Jesus rising from the dead. Well done, Mandy. Way to go. That's like he was dead and then he's not anymore. That's power. And the beautiful part, like creation, the flood, the walls, and the resurrection, those are evidences of the, the power of God. And the, the incredible knee-buckling part of that is the gospel is the power of God. Like, let your mind just re- chase that. The gospel is the power of God. The news is the power. And the, like it, it firmly places us in a position where we are, nothing can change us, nothing can attack us, nothing can, can hurt us, nothing can separate us from our relationship with Christ. But more than that, what Paul is proclaiming to the church, this is the message for the church. This is the message for you on how to be, how to live. You are being saved. You are being sanctified. You are being made like Christ through the power of God that spoke the world into existence, that resurrected Christ from the dead, that tore down the walls of Jericho, that power is in you simply by news. And, and here's, like, my job this morning is to proclaim that to you. Your job is to figure out what that means for you in June of 2017, In your context. What does that mean for me? And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But I want you to begin to to consider what that means for you. Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Um, So... In most other readings, I think probably every other reading that I've ever had of this verse, and it's been many, I've missed this, uh, this phrase. This is Paul talking. Paul is the apostle. He is the missionary. He is the writer of most of the New Testament. He's, like he's re- Lots of really important things have come out of the mouth of Paul. Lots of really important things have come out of the pen of Paul. And here, he says, the most important thing that I've ever uttered is here. So, I want to, like, when you go to seminary and study missiology, that's the study of mission, when you study missiology, you always go to Paul. You think about who Paul was as a missionary. Paul spent his life as a missionary. And so, Paul's life, his job, his mission for his life is to go on mission and teach people to be on mission. And he says here that the most important thing he said is Christ died for our sins. Um, and that is the foundational message. Like, so he, here, here's the tricky part for me to as as a as your pastor right now is I want to proclaim this message of the gospel and, and the vital nature of what it is. At the same time, let's figure out a way as a church, as a people in North County, to take this message and then go with it. And so I, I, I want to understand the message and at the same time understand what that message does to us. And I believe that message is for us to preach to ourselves, and then for us to go into our context and proclaim it. Um, so let's go. Let's go back because verses three and four really kind of kind of go together. Um, for you, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures; that He was buried; that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is the simplicity. This is. I talked about it being news. This is the news. This it's over, it's done, it happened, it's all in the past. It's of first importance. And, and this brings us back to this quote that I, I've I've used last week and used before. The essential message, the essential Christian message is not to behave, but to behold. And and this, these verses that Jesus died for your sins and he was resurrected on the third day, this is the thing that we are to behold. This is the central Christian message. Um, So, this idea that Christ died and rose from the dead is our foundation, but it's also the thing, the power that is within us. Um, So, um, beauty or beast. We're in a room filled with people who have been enraptured by the gospel, like wowed by the Gospel, but also people that have that have sinned, we have depth like there 's evil that lurks in us there 's evil that lurks within you, and the power of the gospel is destroying eradicating that evil Do you, do you know that when you come to grips, when you come to a place where you encounter <laughs> The nasty nature of your sin, or the nasty nature of somebody else's sin, the power of God that's present in the gospel is eradicating that within you. Um, I want to want to do something here as as we kind of end this morning. I want you um, to to close your eyes if you could, and I want to walk us through a vital exercise to connect with the power of the gospel because we are capable of wretched, awful sin. But the power of the gospel is changing you, eradicating your sin. So what I want you to do is I want you to consider grace. I want you to think deeply about grace. And this is a really dangerous thing that I'm going to ask you to do right now. I want you to think about sin. I want you to think about your sin. More specifically, I want you to think about the sin that's present in your life that you struggle with most consistently. I want you to maybe even, if even if you're a visual person, I want you to To think real specifically. And this is where the the danger here is. I, I want you to think real specifically about maybe the last time that you committed that sin. And think about it. Picture it. See that image. I want you to think about your propensity, your... Proclivity to continually commit that sin. I want you to see how evil you are capable of being. Now I want to say one word to you, grace. The beautiful nature of the grace of our holy God Completely eradicates what you're thinking about. Glory in the beautiful grace of God. Perhaps the, the greatest tool that I could ever give to you, that God has ever given to us, is to stop. And think about grace. Like really think about like all of the sin that you've ever committed. All of it. All the sins you've ever committed and then you will ever commit. Is destroyed by the grace of God. And this is the gospel. This is the proclamation of news. It's a fact. you got nothing to do to earn it or, or even participate in it. It's a, it's a fact, and it's yours. And it's the power of God to change you. All right, you can look up now. Um, I want to end this morning uh, with this sort of a, a vague idea that 's in my head has been in my head for a while. We have this um, this idea that the gospel is changing us, making us more christ like eradicating sin in us, making us more good missionaries and sending us on mission to be the gospel in our communities, in our contexts to love. And, and to be as Jesus. And I've, I've thought about this, and, and I've, this has kind of been like a, a moving target for me in the last couple of weeks, but I, I think that this is is nailing it down. Um, so the church, the, the modern American church, and to a degree this church, um, there are two ditches that we can drive into. One is a conservative ditch that means everything is about Sin and, and don't sin anymore. And and calling our culture, going on mission with that idea is stop sinning. And we can miss the compassion of Christ. We can miss the love of Christ for the sinner. The other side, the other ditch, is a liberal ditch where we can not care about sin, but more care about love and compassion for people. And I think about The the modern issues that we face ourselves with and think about the the issue of homosexuality, the issue of abortion, the issue of politics, and all these things speak to this. And when we are out on mission in our communities with this idea, we inevitably fall into one of these ditches. We major on compassion and don't call people out of their sins. We major on calling people out of their sin and don't have any love or compassion for people. But Christ is perfect in this proclamation. In this, and, and think about this. Go back and, and read through the Gospel of John. Go back and listen to our messages on those miracles and, and watch Jesus engaging with sinful people every time. I love you. Stop sinning. And, and this is the danger, this is why the church is, is beauty or beast, because we fail so much here. And we're not like Jesus when we go out on mission. And, and that's, that's, like, the danger for us is to go out on mission as these, like, Westboro Baptist Church, you know what I'm talking about, or, or this wishy-washy kind of gospel I love you, I don't care what you do. But the mission that, that God is calling us to is to be more Christ-like and proclaim the gospel and, and the path to being more Christ-like, to being sanctified is the gospel. And, and for me, I think the best way for us to see and be changed by the gospel is just to, to think about grace, Because grace does two things to us. Considering grace does two things for us. One, it allows us to see that that sin is not on us anymore. It doesn't matter. It's history. It's been eradicated. But two, it also empowers us to go and stop sinning. And the heart of that is to bring life to us. And to bring life to this community. And that's like why we're here. To see the grace of God and proclaim the grace of God. That's do you know, like, that's why this church exists. That's why we come here. That's why we, we're always talking about let's, let's see it and then let's go and be. This is, this is the mission of the church. It's the mission of, of this church. And so I want to encourage you for the rest of this morning and then maybe a few times this week to, to find Five minutes or fifty minutes, and just think and consider grace and all of its splintered implications for your life. Let's uh, let's pray and uh, sing about grace. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the gospel. the news. God, I pray that the gospel would change us. God, I feel even stupid saying that. I don't need to pray that the gospel would change us. It does, Father. Lord, allow us to see the gospel. Allow us to see your grace. God, I pray for for people in this room to see your grace Lord may we deal with your grace and then go be sent by your grace Lord cause us to interact with your, your beautiful and humbling grace. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen.